like, how can you trade me? This is my last year. I've done, you know, I've gone to war for you guys, and we're got a chance at, at making a run, and you're going to trade me. And then, whoa, 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 Brownie, whoa, whoa. You know, like, we didn't trade you. You know, you got traded to Vancouver and blah, blah, blah. And I still talk about it with some of the guys that I'm friends with from that team, and they still laugh about it because they could hear me yelling at, in the other room at the coach and GM about trading me when it was uh, the NHL teams trading me. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli. This is Crunch Chronicles. Great to be with you here. Episode 16 of the program here this week. We hope you've enjoyed it so far. And we've got a wonderful guest on the way here this week with our latest episode of the show. Well, it's a guy who was uh, one of our very early requests from one of our listeners here on Crunch Chronicles a couple of months ago. And we finally had a chance to corral this guy and get him on the show. He was only here for one season, but he obviously made a big impact uh, on the uh, the organization. He was a big bruiser for the Crunch back in the late stages of the Vancouver Canucks affiliation in 1999-2000. We're talking, of course, about Mike Brown, who played that one year for the Crunch. His rookie season in uh, pro hockey, 71 games for the Crunch in the 99-2000 season. Final year, as we said, of the Canucks affiliation. 71 games, 31 points as a rookie, 13 goals and 18 assists, and 284 penalty minutes that season for Mike Brown. He then went on to, uh, well, he stayed in the Canucks organization, played one game in Vancouver the following season, but the Canucks uh, affiliation went to the IHL with the Kansas City Blades, so he spent most of that season there in Kansas City. Played a few more games with Vancouver the rest of the way, then uh, was with the Ducks organization. Uh, a few years bouncing around different teams, ended up his final season in pro hockey in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Played two games with Chicago in 2005-2006, and also 53 games with the Norfolk Admirals in the American Hockey League. Former first-round pick of the Florida Panthers in 1997, but he was basically a Vancouver kid very excited to join the organization and his time with the organization all started in Syracuse with the Crunch. Mike Brown is our next guest. He's on the way here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, oh, great to be on. I, uh, especially talking with uh, the Crunch again. I, I had a great year, lots of great memories since we started texting. And Basically, yeah, I'm back in British Columbia I'm the general manager of uh, Harley-Davidson store up here, and, yeah, life's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, post-hockey life, I guess, has, has been pretty good for you then. You, you retire uh, a little while ago. How how has post-hockey life been like adjusting to uh, the real world? Uh, it's, it's been pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I got out kind of young for for pro hockey at 27, but I, I knew I was going to have to work again and start another career, and... Jumped into vehicle sales, and yeah, it's it's been a good fifteen years for me here. Harley Davidsons. Uh, what what led you down that path? Uh, what's uh, I don't know. What's the uh, the passion there for you that uh, that led you down that road? Uh, well, yeah, it was. I've always liked Harleys. I got one as soon as I retired, um, and then yeah, I was with Chevrolet and GMC uh, dealerships for for a while and then the opportunity within our dealer group came up for me to take over their harley davidson well one of their harley davidson stores and 
yeah, just jumped at it. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, coming to work and selling motorcycles and working around with all the merchandise and parts and building bikes. And yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun most days. I was going to say, it sounds like a, a keep, keeps you on your toes a bit, different things to do. And sounds like a, a blast for sure. Uh, we'll shift uh, now to get to some, uh, some hockey talk with you and, and your time with the crunch. Like we said, it was only one season you spent here with the crunch back in 1999, 2000, right at the start of your career. Before we dive into that season, just uh, maybe a general thought on, on that season you spent here in Syracuse and, and what it meant well it was my first season pro so you know i mean got to go down to the states to a place i've never been had to check out a map to see where exactly i was going because i mean i grew up in bc and playing hockey minor hockey in bc and junior hockey in western canada you kind of know the area and, and you know where you're going and first year pro long way from home it it was uh a little unnerving, but hockey teams and and that uh, grow a bit of a different family, and you take care of each other that way. How much of an adjustment was that for you to you know you're like you said you're from Western Canada and BC there, and and you go to a, a new place, a totally new place for sure. And I feel like these days it's a little easier. You can kind of look it up online, and, and and no problem. You get used to it that way. But you're you're jumping into a blind essentially going here to Syracuse. How much of an adjustment was that for you at, at you know 20 years old to to go to a place you've never never seen before? Well, yeah, it was definitely something. I mean, I remember I got my first laptop, you know, that year. And now now you look at, I mean, I can set up my whole week routine if, if I was flying into Syracuse tomorrow online. So a little different time back then, but... Um, you know, you know, you know the guys from playing against them. You know the guys from training camp. Uh, you create bonds, and I mean, there was guys that have had played there before, and, and they kind of show you the ropes. And and yeah, I mean, being a part of a team makes it a lot easier. Uh, we'll talk about some of the on ice stuff now. We'll start, you know, just with you specifically. It is your rookie season. It, it's uh, you know your first taste of pro hockey. What was that uh, that first pro experience like for you to to get your pro career started here in Syracuse? Uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great coach in in, in Stan Smeal. I, I grew up watching him uh, as a kid in BC. So nothing but respect and, and an easy guy to play for. And, and then there's some veteran guys that, that took care of us. And yeah, it was a bit of an eye-opening experience just from, I mean, even going from junior where you're wearing visors to opting not to wear a visor. And I remember my first, one of my first exhibition games there I ended up in the scrap with Dennis Bonvi and, and obviously everybody in hockey knew who he was at that time. So it was like, oh, well, I guess I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, that name comes up so frequently on this podcast in particular. He's a name that, uh, like you said, everyone recognizes. Uh, the adjustment, though, going from juniors to pro hockey is is obviously a, it's a big step. Uh, what was it like for you making that, that jump from uh, from the Western League up to uh, the AHL and, and the pro hockey? What was, what was the biggest adjustment? for you on the ice uh on the ice it's just i mean you're going like i was uh 16 17 18 19 year old playing against 
basically the same ages and, and some 20 year olds. And now I'm playing against 30, 35 year olds that made a living out of it. And a lot of guys have a pretty good living. So, you know, junior, junior is a good stepping stone. It, it teaches you a lot of professionalism and, and what you're going to run into when you turn pro. And when you turn pro, it's, it's the next step and it's a big one and, and you got to adapt. Mike Brown, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. He spent one season with the Crunch in 1999-2000, the final year of the affiliation with the Vancouver Canucks. We talk about the on-ice transition. There's a big off-ice transition as well, and these days all the guys always talk about how how jarring it is when they're a rookie coming in from from junior hockey where they live with billets and and they've got a lot of things taken care of in that regard. Uh, And then they come to pro hockey and it's, whoa, they're on their own. They've got to cook on their own. They've got to do all that stuff. What was it like for you uh, uh, making that jump uh, from from a personal side of things, you know, did you live with a roommate? Uh, how was the adjustment away from the rink for you? Uh, it was it was definitely an adjustment. I mean, I went from yeah, billets that I mean, I'm still very close with. I see him all the time up in Kamloops, and meals are made, and for the most part, you know, laundry's done, and and it's just. Uh, they just do everything and they can't get their power. So you can focus on hockey and then, you know, you, you got to juggle that turn pro. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say I was completely useless. I, I knew how to cook and I knew how to do my laundry and, and that, but you know, you, you got to make sure it's done and you know, you're, you're not necessarily getting, woken up by the billet parents and told to get your ass on in the car and get to work. But, um, yeah, I roomed with Brent Sopel. So he was, uh, either a second or third year guy. So yeah, I mean, kind of looked after each other and, and, handled what we needed to do well this is perfect because uh, this was not planned but i'm talking to brent tomorrow for uh, an upcoming episode as well so now i've got to take a little sidebar and ask uh, if you got any good brent sopel stories you can share with us that we need to bring up with him tomorrow oh uh well yeah say hi to him for starters for me Uh, i mean we all get caught in our own lives and don't always keep in touch but yeah no i had a good year with him Uh, well, well, weird. I mean, the guy ate ketchup sandwiches. <laughs> that that was kind of his snack. I never jumped on that one, but uh, that's one of the things I remember. And you know, a little room with him. Other than that, it was pretty chill. And and I mean, you're you're on the road. You're playing games. You're having afternoon naps. There's, you know, there's not a huge amount of downtime, right? Yeah, for sure. It's it, it is it's a busy time, especially with uh, I'm sure with some of the travel that the the team had to go through over the course of those years, uh, as well. Uh, Mike Brown is our guest. You mentioned earlier as well Stan Smeal, who's uh, right now obviously in the news with what's going on in Vancouver. He's taken over their hockey ops department in an interim basis at the moment, but uh, he was the head coach here in Syracuse. That was his first year as the head coach. It was his first year in minor league hockey at all. He, you said you watched him with the Canucks when you were growing up he went right to the NHL never spent a minute in minor league hockey until he became the head coach of the crunch what was what was Stan like as a coach here and and what was the relationship like that you built with him um well I still see Stan quite a bit at uh Canucks alumni charity functions and that and and we catch up and we laugh about it because 
I was with him the next year in Kansas City and, and some of the year following in Manitoba. Um, he, just an easy guy to play for. He, he, he respected him off the hop. Um, you know, the strong, silent type, but then when he did get pissed off, you, you, you deserved it and you put yourself in check and, and got better the next shift or practice. Uh, so Stan Smeal, who uh, just like we said, spent the one year here with the Crunch before uh, the the Canucks affiliation ended. The team had a pretty good year too that year for the Crunch. Uh, ended up being about a 500 record, but that was a year coming off of the previous season where the team won 18 total games. Uh, I know you weren't a part of that team the previous season, but what was you know when you're coming into a team like that that the year previously was not very good on the ice. There was a lot of uh, I guess baggage going along with that. What was the expectation? for you and for the team coming into that next season and and uh, I guess a clean slate for for you coming in as a rookie but just in general what was the feel coming into that year uh well I mean when you're going down to the minors you're going down there with kind of a a double mission one one is to get yourself ready and get on the path to get yourself back to the NHL but I'll Obviously, I mean, you, you want to represent yourself well with the team that you're playing on. I think we had like 14 or 15 first and second year guys. So, you know, there was a lot of youth there, guys figuring it out. You know, got a lot of guys up and down with the big club. And, yeah, I mean, there there was ups and downs. And, and that you usually get that um, with the uh, first, second year guys plus, you know, um, it, it is tough. I mean, the big club dictates a lot. And when they're stripping a couple of your top forwards and a couple of your top D, that's why you don't see a lot of dynasties down in the AHL. Let's shift to then, uh, you know, how you became a part of the Vancouver organization in the first place. Obviously, it was a big trade uh, that you, know, you were a first-round pick from Florida a couple years previously. There was a big trade, though, in 1999, Pavel Bure going from the Canucks to the, the Panthers. You were involved in the trade and, and the part going back to, to Vancouver. That uh, was, what, January 99, I believe. Where do you, uh, where were you? Where, do you remember where you were when you got the news and, and what was the reaction? Well, yeah, I, I remember that day pretty vividly. I mean, first, it, I, I found out after pregame skate um, on a national televised game there when I was playing with Kamloops. Uh, and back then, not a lot of games were nationally televised. And we were we were ranked probably top three in the country. So, so we had more TV games than anyone, but... Uh, there's maybe half a dozen of your games, not like nowadays where everybody can watch every shift, right? So I kind of thought something was up. There was a lot of cameras on me uh, and warm-up. You just kind of get that feeling. And then I got called in by my coach and my GM at the time, and they they probably could have worded it better because, or they were just trying to put me together. Um, but they, they told me I had been traded, so I was like kind of lost my shit a bit. And I was like, how can you trade me? This is my last year. I've, you know, I've gone to war for you guys and we're got a chance at, at making a run and you're going to trade me. And they're like, whoa, 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 Brownie, whoa, whoa. You know, like we didn't trade you. You know, you got traded to Vancouver and blah, blah, blah. And I still talk about it with some of the guys that I'm friends with from that team and they still laugh about it because they could hear me yelling in the other rec- in the other room at 
the coach and GM about trading me when it was uh, the NHL teams trading me. Well, <laughs> you can't make that stuff up. That's tremendous. What you know? What was the reaction though once you found out it's Vancouver? You're a BC kid. I don't know if you were Canucks fan growing up, but you, I'm sure you watched them for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, to to then be to join that organization. What, what was the reaction there? And I mean, for starters, I was super happy being with Florida. I was last cut the year before at camp, and then but then I got traded to my hometown. Because uh, at that time, my family was living in North Vancouver. And, yeah, I mean, just super excited. It was weird because, I mean, Pavel Burry at the time was my favorite player. And it was just, it was a lot. Like, basically that game, I had my head up my ass that whole game. I It was spinning and I couldn't do anything right. And so I just went and fought somebody and uh, did a number on him to sort myself out and at least show something good for the game <laughs> well you end up with the Canucks organization you spent a couple of years there uh, of course you got some games with Vancouver what did it mean to to then you know when you make your your debut with the Canucks uh in the oh, 2000-2001 season you get the one game there with Vancouver what did that moment mean to you when you put on you know the Canucks sweater and, and made your debut oh it was it was awesome, but again, I mean, that day was a fog, too. I, I was half-dressed dressed for practice in Kansas City. And Stan Smeal came in and told me to go get a suit, and I had to rush home, grab a suit, and rush to the airport. And then I got into St. Louis at the end of team lunch and tried to mix in a nap while calling friends and family and giving them the news and then I get out on the ice and I'm lined up against Al McKinnis and I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the NHL. So, and then I kind of, you know, it kind of sunk in a bit. And that night I was on a flight back. Uh, did I stay that night? Yeah, I think I stayed that night. And then I flew back to Kansas City. I ended up playing five games in five nights. Holy, that I, you know, I complain about the three and threes, and there's not even a lot of those anymore, but five and five nights has got to be uh, what a whirlwind that is. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we had played Wednesday, and then on Thursday, it was supposed to be a light practice day, turned into a flight and game, another flight, and then three and three would travel. And the weird thing is, and well, funny, I guess, is. Reed Lowe actually broke my nose before we fought with an elbow. So I played the rest of the weekend. I think I fought a couple more times with a broken nose. So, yeah, it was a long week. You got that fighting mentality, obviously. That was a big part of your game uh, here in Syracuse and before that as well. What you know? Uh, what was the mindset for you as a player going into uh, into a night where, you know, whatever it might be, what, what was your mindset going into it as one of those guys who clearly was not afraid to drop the gloves? Uh, well, it was whatever's going to help the team win. Um, but I, I knew who we were going up against. I, I knew what they were about and then the game plays out as it plays out and you got to be there for your guys and and do what you got to do. Obviously the game has changed quite significantly since you were a player. I'm curious how much you're, you're following it these days and, and clearly fighting is not nearly as, as prevalent as it was when you were around, but you know, what, what is your, what is your stance on, on where the game is these days and where, you know, fighting is going or where it might end up or whatever it might be. Mm, I, I watch kind of bare minimum just to keep up with it. 
because uh, obviously all my friends are into it and they roped me into a fantasy hockey league and that. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the game because we played a hell of a lot different game. Um, it certainly is fast and it certainly is skilled, but it, it's definitely a lot softer and it's kind of, you know, it's more pond hockey and, and guys kind of take liberties that they shouldn't be allowed to take. And then not a lot happens after that. And unfortunately we see some guys getting hurt and when probably back in the day, they, they wouldn't have been hurt sort of thing. So. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That is uh, clearly a concern for a lot of uh, folks as well, uh, depending on which which side of the fence you're you're on, I guess, in terms of uh, the fighting there uh, in hockey. We'll shift back to your time now with the crunch. Uh, and uh, like we said, it's only you were only here for one season, Mike, but uh, we know how much uh, the fans cheered you on. What did it mean to you to play in front of the fans here in Syracuse and and uh, and the relationship you built with them, whether it was just you on the ice and them cheering you on or if there was anyone in particular uh, uh, you know, and some of the uh, the stuff you did off the ice as well. Well, I I mean, I I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. The fans were great. Um, they were respectful. They were passionate uh, about what we were doing. Um, when and that old barn was was a fun fun barn to play in the War Memorial there. Um, great home rink, and then you know we had we had fun out on the town, and you know met a lot of people and you know, spent some time up at the college and met some other people there. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, not a lot of bad, you know, I can't really remember anything negative. Mike Browner, guest here on Crunch Chronicles. We'll do some uh, quick hitters with you here, Mike, before we let you run. Uh, uh, your favorite teammate here uh, with the Crunch in that one season you spent here? Uh, there was a bunch of them. I mean, Josh Holden, I still keep in touch with him. He's over in Switzerland. Uh, Harold Drukin was my line mate most of that year. He's over in Newfoundland. Trevor Doyle. I mean, Trevor Doyle is the first guy to get in an argument with me on who's going to go and fight. So, I mean, there, there's three guys right there. Chris O'Sullivan, funny guy, great dude. Once in a while, run into him. You know, like, yeah, there's a, just a lot of good guys, and I'd have to probably take a look at the roster because we play, uh, you know, you play with so many different guys, but there's some right off the hot, top of my head. I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned some of those names. Do do when you think of those guys or when you see them, do memories really just come flooding back when you, you know, uh, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. Do, does it? You feel like you jump right back to where you might have been if if it's been a little while for a layoff, if it's been you know a couple of years, whatever it might be. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm fortunate too. I got most of my marbles, so my memory's still good. And yeah, just now, you know, hearing hearing those names and thinking about Syracuse, lots of stories come up. Some, you know, I could probably share, and some I probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, there's no doubt about that. That that we hear all the time for sure. Some of it uh, not not on the podcast, which is all fair. Uh, favorite guy that you had a chance to to fight, whether it was here in Syracuse or uh, at any other point in the in your career, who was your favorite guy you went up against? Well, I think I probably fought Dennis Bonby the most of anybody in my career, and you know sometimes it was let's just get it out of the way, and other times we got pissed off at each other and and uh, tried to put each other down. Um, so, I mean, Syracuse alone, 
de- definitely Dennis. And I mean, I know Scotty Parker was running around there in Hershey and he's, in my opinion, one of the toughest guys I ever had to fight. And I mean, there's a couple guys right there from that season. Is there a guy you just hated fighting? You knew it was going to be a tough one. It might have been Dennis, which is all fair. But was there a guy you just, oh, boy. Dennis could beat you, but he wasn't going to end you. And Scotty Parker always had that that edge. And he threw hard, and he threw with bad intentions. And cause I had to play against him in junior, too. So I would say Scotty Parker was probably the scariest dude. I mean, he's he's a great guy off the ice, but yeah, he, he's dialed up that boy. Uh, favorite memory from your time with the Crunch on the ice, off the ice, uh, wherever you want to take this one. Favorite memory? Uh, our rookie party was pretty fun because I mean, I think we had six, seven, eight of us, and you know, we go through a bunch of hijinks and a lot of drinking and a good meal. And I, I remember one of the guys. I, uh, ended up in the crunch mascot outfit out on the street. And, and, yeah. And there was some shenanigans there, but that, that was pretty funny. That was one of those things I hadn't seen. And I thought that was the only time that I ever saw one of the, one of my teammates in the team mascot uniform. Yeah. That's a unique moment. There's no doubt about that. Uh, who had the biggest impact on you when you were here with the crunch, whether it was Stan, whether it was a, another a, a teammate, who had the biggest impact on, on your development here? Um, well, Stan, obviously, I mean, the guy's a coach and a leader and, and somebody I looked up to. And then, um, uh, like on the ice, you know, I got to play with Harold Drukin. The guy was just so skilled and, you know, we kind of fed off each other. I made sure he had room to do what he could do. Josh Holden, another guy, he was a veteran guy at the time, a guy I looked up to from junior playing against him for, I think three, four years I played against him in junior. And then, yeah, Trevor Doyle. I mean, that guy was a veteran heavyweight fighter that fought everybody and anybody at any time. And, and it was good to ride shotgun with him for my first year. I couldn't imagine going at it by myself. And then I'm always curious, uh, what was your favorite place on the road? What building did you enjoy going to, uh, whether it was because of the crowd that might uh, provide some energy or a boost or whatever? Where did you like playing as a visitor? Well, that year, definitely Newfoundland. Like, that place is unique. It's probably one of my favorite places in North North America. Uh, that was always a fun, usually a week long road trip, couple games in New Brunswick, couple games in Newfoundland. So that, that maritime swing was fun, but I will say probably my least favorite place I ever had to go to as well, uh, was Rochester. <laughs> Nothing ever good happened there for me. <laughs> like I, I, I still loathe hearing that name. <laughs> well, I think Crunch fans would agree with that one. A lot of Rochester uh, on the docket, as always. Uh, nothing has changed there. Mike, before we let you want, run, uh, just maybe one final uh, closing thought on your your one season uh, with the Crunch. Uh, great time. You know, very underrated city. Awesome people, awesome fans, and, and thoroughly enjoyed my, my year there. Um, you know, unfortunately, Vancouver was switching farm teams around so it was tough to 
lay down roots, but that's part of the business. But yeah, all good thoughts and memories from Syracuse. Mike Brown, who spent one season with the Crunch here on Crunch Chronicles. Mike, we appreciate you giving us some time here today. Thanks so much for doing this, and we wish you uh, well. Hopefully uh, the uh, the Harley sales continue to be strong, and uh, thanks so much for doing this here today. All right, appreciate your time as well. There he is, Mike Brown, former Syracuse Crunch forward who played just one season in Syracuse back in 1999. 2000, one of the big fighters of that team, 284 penalty minutes over his 71 games with the Crunch. Also played in four playoff games for Syracuse. We appreciate the time that Mike Brown gave us this week. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with him. I loved the the story of when he got traded to the Canucks organization when he was still playing in the Western Hockey League as junior hockey. And obviously, that was a significant trade, a trade that has been well-documented. Pavel Burry going to the Florida Panthers, and Mike Brown was a part of the the package that went back to Vancouver uh, that year. But uh, I just love the story when he's going in thinking he's getting traded from his junior team, and he had to be settled out and say, no, 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 we didn't trade you. The Florida Panthers traded you. You have been traded to the Vancouver Canucks. So a fun story there. We hope you enjoyed uh, some of the stories of his time in Syracuse, uh, his conversation, and his uh, his roommate, uh, Brent Sopel. Well, uh, I'm going to spill the beans here. Brent Sopel is going to be our next guest on Crunch Chronicles. That's just the way it worked out. It was not intentional, uh, but we will spill the beans, and, uh, and Brent Sopel is our upcoming guest next week on Crunch Chronicles. But we thank Mike Brown for joining us this week. He was a wonderful guest, as always. If you have any Mike Brown stories, we'd love to hear them. You can send uh, the stories or any other news or notes you'd like to me via Twitter at Lucas Favalli or via email lfavalli at syracusecrunch.com. As we said, Mike Brown was one of the requested guests. If you have any guests you'd like to hear from, just let us know there via email, and we'll try our darndest to get them on the show. Some of the uh, alumni are a little harder to track down of course, but uh, thankfully we have a pretty good uh, foundation of guys who'll make our way through as we continue right along. So that's our episode this week, episode 16 of Crunch Chronicles in the Books. Thanks again to Mike Brown for joining us. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode here on Crunch Chronicles. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favalli saying so long for now. We'll chat again next week with another episode of Crunch Chronicles.